Come on, May, sit down now. Come on, there's a good girl. Come on, good girl. Come on, sit down. You can talk to Sarah. This, 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 this one here, that one here to you. And bringing it down, down here for this one here, 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 here. Because we're here, here too for this one. This is a It's probably about ten years ago, and the first time I really noticed it was when we'd been out shopping, and we had made four stops, and then came home, and suddenly the handbag was missing. So. I rang up each of the addresses we'd been at to inquire if the handbag had been found. And they were all, no, no handbag. So we, we just put it down, we, you've lost the handbag. And a few days later, something else started going missing. And then I began to suspect that things were not at all as they should be. I first met Matt and May last April. They are married over 41 years now. To a stranger, they look like the ideal retired couple, walking hand in hand and always by each other's side. And I began to do my own search and I found first the handbag upstairs in our wardrobe. I thought I mustn't make it too obvious. So... I suggested that we would have a a hunt for the handbag so that she could find it herself. Because it was at the time when she would accuse me of taking it or hiding it or something like that. We went through the um, the motions and fair dues. We found the handbag. And she, of course, first thing she checked was the money. It was all there. And she used to take out about 50 or... 70 pounds a week from the building society. It was just something she really wanted to do. You know, I think she wanted to be independent. So after a while, she'd accumulated about three or four hundred pounds. And then one day, that went missing. And everybody was accused of pilfering the the watch. And I found, when I was going around the house, I found a, a little compact thing where you got, a, you know, like two lipsticks and a something else in a plastic container. And lo and behold, included in behind them was £245. Never forget it. So I thought, right, say nothing, put it back and wait till the query comes up. Fair dues, the next day, the query, I have lost, you know, so many pounds. And I said, right, come with me. We went upstairs, and I said, open that wardrobe there. And she did, and I said, now take down that compact. She did, and I said, right, in there, what do you find? She said, it's empty. Now, that was the time I realised I should have taken the money in the first instance and then said, look what I found. But that money never turned up again. Yeah, come on, May, sit down now. 
Come on, there's a good girl. Come on, good girl. Come on, sit down. Matt and May are both in their 70s now. For the last eight or nine years, they have had a different life. May has Alzheimer's. Over the years, nothing has changed their love for each other. Their story began with a chance meeting. Ah, yes. Well, that was rather interesting. Um, I went to Butlin's holiday camp in Mosney. And I got a job there as a lifeguard. And that was in 1959. And so the following year, I went back there for the summer job. And um, that was the year May turned up. She had come back from Spain, having spent four years there. And she and her friend were at a loose end. And they decided to come up to Butlins. So that's how it all started. May worked in the holiday shop, and I used to come in and see her and buy cigarettes and um, whatever. And um, that was it. As they say, the rest is history. <laughs> I was 22, and May, who is older than I am, she was um, about 24. And she was a tall, very slim, dark-haired young lady. I was about six, under six foot, wearing dark-rimmed spectacles um, because May said it made me look like Cliff Richard. I couldn't really work that out, but I went along with most things she said at the time. I asked her once, you know, why was she, um, you know, what did she see in me, for goodness sake? And she said, well, you came in one day and uh, wanted to buy a brooch. And she said, I thought it was for one of your girlfriends. And you told me that it was for your mother, that you were going down to Cork, you know. And I said, yeah, I remember that. And it was for my mum. And uh, I remember the brooch so well. But she said, it was that, uh, that's what made her, made her mind up. Anyway, I'm rambling. And if there was lots of ladies in Butlins, what attracted you to me? Oh, no. How do I know? I don't know. I don't know. It's that little mm-hmm. something that um, mm-hmm. we have for each other. Yeah. No, 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 no. When I arrived to meet Matt and May for the first time, Matt's doing what he always does at this time of the morning, getting May ready for the day ahead. Put your hands straight down. Yes. Put your arms straight down. Yes, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Come on. There we go. May is no longer able to do anything for herself. Now I'm going to give you some deodorant. Matt has to do everything for her. It's going to sting a bit, but be alright. You don't want to be smelling nice. Yes, yes. Yeah? Every morning is the same for them. They get up. He chooses her clothes. He dresses her. Takes her to the toilet. Combs her hair. All you have to do now is push your hand in there. That's it. Where you go? 
In some ways, he's living life for both of them. Right. Now, Teresa, yeah. Well, Teresa's in Dublin. Yes, yes. And she might be coming down sometime. Right, you sit down there and I get your shoes now. Draw your medallion. Okay. Take your hand away now, Missy. Yeah. Now, can you come in quickly and we brush your teeth? Just a few minutes. Come on. Take care. You see, May qualified as a children's nurse and she got her badge or cap and badge, as she used to say. And she took those qualities then into when she was looking after her own. We had two boys. In fact, I was talking to Mark the other day. He's the elder of the two. He's a barrister, and he specializes in family law. And he was saying to me that uh, it's amazing, really, because he's so immersed in family law that he could see the basis of a good family and the basis of trouble and all this sort of thing. If you wanted to design a perfect family, he would use the system that May used to. So I, I, I thought I was very pleased to hear that, you know. Was it difficult to decide to, to give up your job and to become a full-time looking, yeah, a house husband, husband yeah, a carer, full-time carer? Uh, it was because, in one way, but the other, the other bit was I was giving up something where I was leaving, I was getting up at quarter past five and leaving the house at twenty-five past six. And coming back in oh, at yes, 20 past it? six, Trisa, you know, 12 Trisa hours away. So I wasn't Trisa, giving up all that much, no, no, you know. Trisa, Trisa, no. But it was away from the problem. I knew there was a problem, and I thought, you know, I've got to give it up. You know, I didn't have much choice in the matter. And um, as I say, I gave it up, and then, you know, I started learning things, you know, for the first time cooking and washing machines and, you know, that sort of thing. Come on, Tracy, for you for bringing it in now. How long has it, had it been since you had been kind of in charge of kind of the domestic world? Well, May was doing it for, of the 41 years, she's been doing it for 30, 31, you know, it's been 10 years since uh, I adopted the mantle, you know. And how do you find it? Oh, it's fine. It's pretty tough at times. But um, with uh, the help I get from people. <laughs> Matt and May have two children. That's one of them on the phone. Their two sons keep in regular contact, but they both live in England, where they were born and raised. Matt and May spent all their married life in London. But when May started to forget things, everything began to change. You know, she used to cry quite a lot. And so I went to the doctor with her and explained that um, May was crying quite a lot. And he was therefore treating her for depression, which was almost... Right. But 
it went on for about 18 months and she was on the tablets. And, you know, it, it certainly, there was an improvement. But then I realised there was something else. Well, I was reading a book and I saw that um, Alzheimer's, that, well, that was the, that's what I thought was wrong. And uh, in the book, they, they mentioned a certain drug as being very good for Alzheimer's. So I went to the doctor and said, could we be put on, could maybe put on? No, he said, I, I can't make that decision. It has to be the decision of a specialist. So I said, OK, let's have the specialist. And in due course, we had um, a letter from the specialist asking us to go along for an interview. When we got there, I remember so well, it was a Nissen hut, you know, a wooden hut. And there was a sign above it, mental department. Now, this was at a time when May was still able to communicate and what have you. And she said, why are we going in here? There's nothing wrong with my, I'm not a mental case. And I just fobbed her off with some reason. That day, the consultant diagnosed May with Alzheimer's disease. Shortly afterwards, Matt and May held a family meeting with their two sons. They all agreed Matt and May would return home to Ireland. This was partially due to the fact that Matt felt May would receive better care here. But he was also fulfilling a promise he made to her on their wedding day that he would eventually bring her back home. Now, Maisie, we're going to make some beef stew. Okay. We're almost there, Maisie. Sit down there now. Come on. That's a good girl. This is lovely. Maybe you tuck in there now, Maisie. Come on. She doesn't say very much in a way of being coherent. In fact, the one good thing is that she eats anything I put in front of her. In spite of... down in here and there to see it. In spite of the fact... In spite of... Um, doing the same food quite a lot. I like chicken. It's easy to cook, and we do that quite a bit. And May will always eat the chicken casserole or whatever. I try and vary it, but uh, it must be boring. But um, I've forgotten the question. God. 
Oh yeah, but um, she doesn't say much in the way of sentences that are yes. lucid. Yes. But she will say occasionally when she's eating, that was lovely. And when I realise that we had a moment, I say, what did you say? And it's gone. We had um, Mark over here one time, Mark and Anna, and um, Mark said, did you hear that? And I said, no, what? And she said, he, he said to me, well, she said, I'm so pleased you came to see me. Now, that was a tremendous breakthrough, you know. And you don't get many of them. The rest is usually rubbish. Biggest problem is knowing when she wants to go to the toilet. Uh, there are certain signs which I think I know. And uh, as soon as I see those, I ask, do you want to go to the toilet? And you might get a yes, but then when you go to the toilet, she doesn't want to. Um, she's a bit scared of sitting down on the loo. And I can't work that out. Um, we had a, a problem when, you know, I mentioned we were away for the weekend. And we came down to breakfast this particular day. And um, we were shown a table, and I couldn't get her to sit down. So a couple of the girls on the other table came over to give me a hand. And bring it in this one here, Tracy. Yes, that's right. So they came, and between us, we we couldn't. We sort of we decided we'd walk around the chair, you know, and see that it might be different the second time. So then we moved to a table near the wall and eventually we got her to sit down but one of the ladies that was there said um, said to May what's the matter what's the matter May and May said I'm afraid well she didn't repeat it but she said it to this lady so there was something about sitting down which scares her and I don't know what it is but these are just things you try and combat and try and instill some confidence. Um, we, um, we have an attachment for the lavatory in, attached to our bedroom, which we got from the... Uh, I can't remember which department. But anyway, um, it's something that sits on top of, of, of the lavatory to make it higher up, and it's got arms, like an armchair. And instead of um, giving me confidence, it just scares the hell out of her. She will not sit down there. But, yes, that's right. Okay. very tired today because um, we had a problem about one o'clock this morning about trying to get her to go to sleep. Mm -hmm.
and I ended up giving her a sleeping pill. I don't like giving them to her too often. I mean, the the, the tablets I've got. No, Maisie, leave that again. The tablets I've got are two years old. You know, they haven't been used, so I give them to her very sparingly. But they do have a, a, almost an immediate effect, and within like twenty minutes, she's away. And Unfortunately, then, when uh, she gets up, the effect still lingers on. And I mean, if you weren't here now, she'd be sound asleep. I probably would as well, actually. Yeah, that's feel as if um, you uh, um, you drew the short straw you so it's not fair if you were to allow yourself to dwell on it you think oh, this isn't right this isn't fair but then nothing's fair you know you're not entitled to anything you just um, you make a vow when you get married for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, until death has to part. And that's it. You just maintain the contract. That's it. That's as simple as it gets, I think. Everything centers around Alzheimer's. I can't remember. No, that's not right. I... I seem to um, not realize that there was a time pre-Alzheimer's when everything was totally different. Uh, now everything centers around May and we, you just take it as being, you know, as a matter of fact. You go off to to do some shopping and you don't go without May. And uh, I just say to her, you know, we, we go for a shop. We go and do this, we go and do that. And she said, fine. Well, she doesn't. She, she, I put on a jacket and off we go. And usually while we're out, we meet other like-minded people and what have you. And um, they're all so bloody marvellous, really, you know. Come up and say hello to me and, you know. And then they they said to me, you're great, you know. And I thought, oh, God, <laughs> I don't feel great, you know. Um, and I, I think, 
There are an awful lot of people who are far worse off than I am. And you really thank God for what you've got, really. But, uh, no, I'm not wonderful. Anyway, there we are. We must stand out like a couple of sore thumbs, you know, because we hold hands. And, and that is really essential, no. that we do, because... Not that that one, one. Coming down, 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 down. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But uh, because she has, in the past, just walked off. And that isn't so bad in Tullamore, because... No, this one here, Teresa, Josephine, here, here now, Teresa. We're, we're recognised, you know. And but when it happened in Dublin one time, in we walk we came out of uh, Arnott's department store, and we were walking towards the car park. Mm-hmm. May's brother-in-law, May and myself, and for some reason we were walking in single file, and turned around, and there was there was no sign. There was no sign of May. She'd just gone. Just. The ground swallowed her up. Anyway, we found her in like half an hour. But uh, I thought it was more like three hours, because I thought, that's it, she's gone. When people meet you and May when you're out and about, yeah. um, how do they respond to her? Do they know how to act? Oh, yeah. yeah they all do now. Um, but it's rather like... Um, Asking me if she takes sugar in her tea, I always say, you know, ask May. And they they do. And it's very difficult, actually, you know, to be fair. It is very difficult for people to talk to somebody to whom or from whom they're very unlike, they're unlikely to get a response. And, of course, after a while, they don't they start or continue talking to me. Um, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things that people get used to. But they are, by and large, they're very good. You know. Prior to all this, did you ever discuss what you would do in retirement? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had the intention of coming to Ireland. And I also always fancied myself as being a bit of a carpenter, uh, which is not true. I'm not really any good at all. Uh, and perhaps it's just as well I never did embark on it. Um, but I was, going, I was going into the realms of cabinet making. And... I had very definite views on what I would do, and they included making grandfather clocks, where I would buy the the uh, the mechanism from an outfit in Germany, and I would um, um, hang on a tick. Oh yeah. And I would get old wardrobes, solid wardrobes, which 
are made from teak and all that sort of thing and recycled them into making long case clocks and that was going to be and I think somebody out there must have thought you know it'll never work out but anyway and that was what I had intended I really seriously thought about that but um, you know what they say how do you make God laugh you tell him your plans but um, there you go The second time I visit Matt and May, I join them for part of their daily routine, Mass. Attending church is the main focal point in the day for them. It's a reason to get up, a place to meet friends. For Matt, it ensures he'll buy the paper. For May, it's one of the last things that remain from her day-to-day life in England. these days, you know, but they mists and uh, what was it Keith said, seasonal mists and mellow fruitfulness anyway, we're over here you know, May has a a favourite hymn How Great Thou Art and the amazing thing you know, she, she doesn't say much in the way of intelligent sentences. But when How Great Thou Art is being played in the church, she'll sing that almost word perfect. It's uncanny. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's uh, Mm -hmm. hairy. You know, you just get little things in the back of your neck stand up. You know, it's it's incredible. Isn't that right, Mm Mason? Yeah? Mm -hmm. Good girl. We say the uh, the Angelus, when the bell rings, it's it's broadcast on the radio, on Radio 1 anyway. And uh, we say the, the Angelus, and I lead it into May, and um, actually it's very sweet really. She, uh, I start off by saying, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and then I give her the nod, and she nods back, and I say, and she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's right, Matt, she says. <laughs> and then, because I can't remember the rest of the Angelus, I just say three Hail Marys. And May sometimes can remember the second half of the Hail Mary, but not always. But I have to smile when she says, that's right, Matt. That's right, Mason. Good girl. The loss in the ability to communicate with people is one of the main characteristics of Alzheimer's. That's a massive change for a woman like May 
who was so outgoing and friendly. Many of the people who came after uh, me had the Alzheimer's and we were still living in Horsham. They would come up and say that uh, May was the first person they spoke with when they arrived in the parish. And that would be, May would recognise them as being strangers and come up, introduce herself, and I do this and so on. And she would then take her along to the other members of the, uh, I suppose, entertainments committee. They used to have a a group called the Marthas, and they used to do everything in the parish. And May would introduce the new people to the Marthas. And um, that really showed how well organised she was. In, you know. And it's, it's true, because when you move, especially in the UK, when you're a stranger in a, a parish, you feel very vulnerable and you, know, you don't know anybody. And so it was lovely when somebody like me would come up and introduce herself and then immediately you have maybe 20 friends all of a sudden, you know. And did May have a lot of friends? Oh, yes, but they were all Catholic, and as you can imagine. We had the few who were non-Catholic, like our neighbours, but um, we, we would meet people... You know, and we were like-minded people, naturally. If you're Catholic, you'd meet them Christmas and all the festivities, you know, Easter's and, you know, something like that. Was her religion very important to her? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure. We didn't make a great thing about it. But um, she, uh, I think it was just the fact that, um, you know, it was, she didn't work. Uh, but she went to Mass every morning and she used to have a, a gang there and they would meet after Mass and have a, a coffee and what have you and um, they would put the world right and then off they'd go on their separate ways and that was the way it really went, yeah, day after day. Just as night falls, Matt takes me out to the back garden to show off the other love in his life. Can you just describe what this is? Oh, this is the, um, the pond. <laughs> and uh, these are Japanese koi. And normally we'd have a waterfall working over there. And the water comes down and, and it's rather nice sitting here in the summer with the, uh, the water coming down and a bottle of white wine and so on. It's good. Does May like the fish? Well, she does. But at the same time, having said that, you, you wouldn't really know if she, you know, she doesn't say a lot about them, you know. There he is. Shaggy. That's his, uh, he's a uh, shagoi, is the type of koi. It's not, all the koi are different. Uh, there he comes now, look, he's expecting food, but he's not very hopeful. Anyway, shall we wander in? I, I, 
I don't like him when I can't keep an eye on Maisie, so... Uh... On my final visit to Matt and May, it's about eight o'clock in the evening. Bedtime isn't too far off. The biggest change for Matt is that he's had to become the voice for both May and himself. Well, I would come to May under normal circumstances, like pre-Alzheimer's, and I would say, this is what I would like to do, what do you think? And she would say, no, 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 and give me maybe five or ten reasons why it wouldn't work. But now I have to make the decisions, and I haven't improved any, but, and so I make stupid decisions. But these mistakes would never have been made in pre-Alzheimer days because May would have had control of the reins and the decision-making. I don't think too much about it now, to be honest, because I have a different uh, set of priorities. And number one is looking after May. And if I end up wearing the wrong jacket at the wrong, as some do, or, you know, or for, or worse, if May ends up wearing, because I have to select her clothes. And so, so far, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, the clothes that I've selected. Oh. <laughs> the boring Maisie. <laughs> that says it all, really. But the clothes I have, the outfits I've selected, worked. Or so I've been told, anyway. At nine o'clock, Matt starts getting May ready for bed. I take May into um, our bedroom and I get her ready for bed. And um, by 10 o'clock she's ready. And pop her in and uh, I leave the door of the bathroom open with the light on so that there is light streaming out from the bathroom. And then I come in and that's... Um, the time I have to myself. What between then and by the time I go to bed, um, May would could sleep for Ireland. I reckon. Yeah, she does. I mean, she, but she gets as much as she can really. Before we go to bed, May will sleep from seven till nine. I have to wake her up to take her in, and uh, she always smiles when I wake her up, and um, she's lovely like that, you know, and never, she's never cross or what have you. You're a good old skin, aren't you, Maze? Yes, of course you are. Alzheimer's is a strange disease. It takes over a person bit by bit. For those watching on, it's a difficult experience seeing their loved ones fade. You lose the ability to read, um, to get enjoyment from television or anything like that. It just goes. And 
there will be a time when my ability to look after May will diminish to an extent that I will have to call in somebody else. People call it the long goodbye, which is the best definition, I think, of Alzheimer's. They're not dead, but, and you don't die of Alzheimer's. But they do say that Alzheimer's can last up to 15 years. And then you think about that, you think, gosh, how long have I gone? So we're eight years there, so we have, you know, seven years to go. Do you think about the future then? No. No, I, I, um, it's similar to the answers you get from uh, footballers. Play every day as it comes. <laughs>